Live from New York, it's Ask This Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, with me, Mr. Lady Ada, and we're broadcasting live from the Adafruit headquarters in downtown Manhattan. That's our factory behind us. Right. A little bit damp today, but that's okay. Maybe we'll talk about that, and maybe not. We had a minor flood. We're, everything's okay. Flood. Everything's fine. But some stuff uh, we've got an exciting show here now with all sorts of stuff, and lots of new products and videos and more. That's right. Phil, first, you want to kick it off? That's right. Um, before we go into the show and everything, I have an apology to make. So uh, I want to uh, just give everyone all the information. First off, I apologize. Uh, on Saturday, we had a brief post about NFTs related to the new Space Jam movie on our blog. Um, our blog posts are uh, posted as tweets. So we make a blog post and then it automatically gets tweets, tweeted. Um, and that goes to our Adafruit Twitter account. Uh, there was a number of negative reactions to the NFT blog post. Some people thought we were endorsing NFTs, we weren't, or it was a pay promotion. It wasn't uh, for the movie because that's how movies work. I tried to reassure folks that uh, in the replies that on Twitter, this has nothing to do with that. We don't take paid posts and reassure folks. Um, our team posts cartoons and art and tech-related posts um, that auto-tweet to Twitter. I then updated the blog post to make it clear. Uh, it's not an endorsement. We cover these topics, uh, more so on Saturday, which happens to be the uh, Saturday morning cartoon uh, day on the blog and Twitter. And then I decided on my own incorrectly to attempt to diffuse the controversy by making VQ GAN plus clip generated art from the text of a few of the replies, some with permission, some without. And that was my mistake, and I apologize for it. Um, I apologize for making the art comments, which is a form of trolling and mocking. And I use the quote feature, the quote tweet feature, um, which puts it in our you know main uh, Twitter. That made it even worse. Uh, we have a code of conduct, Adafruit, for all the things that we do, and we hold ourselves uh, to the same standards. I hope this demonstrates this. After getting the feedback and receiving and reviewing the code of conduct, because I was like, oh, that's right. Um, and considering what I did, I removed the tweets. I uh, Twitter DM all the accounts that I made the art from and apologized directly, posted an apology on Twitter, and now I'm apologizing here to our community, our customers, um, fans, people who aren't fans, and our, even, and our team, because they had to see some of this. Um, I won't do that again. Additionally, we're reviewing our auto-tweet features, so certain topics, like if we're going to write about NFTs, probably doesn't belong on Twitter, because it's just not a place for that. And if we ever did anything like a paid promotion um, or anything like that, it always would be clearly indicated. We don't do that, but if we did, we would. Um, we have a be excellent to each other policy, and I will continue to work hard to do that. And that's my apology. All right. Okay, okay. we have a show. <laughs> Let's go to the show. All, All right. right. On tonight's show, the code is super fun. Use the code super fun. 10% off in the for store all the way up until I forget or remember to turn off the code, which is like 10 p.m. or so. So use it or lose it within the next hour or so. Talk about our live shows, including show and tell, time travel, look around the world of makers, hackers, artists, and engineers. Help wanted, look at the Adafruit Jobs Board. Main New York City factory footage, 3D printing, Ion MPI with DigiKey and Adafruit. Mm -hmm. New products. New, new, new. Top secret. Questions, we answer those at the end of the show. Adafruit.it slash Discord. Join all 30,000 of us. That's big news that we have this week. All that and more on, you guessed it. Ask an engineer. That's right. 
Okay. Right, let's do it. Let's do it. So first up, um, don't forget the code. Super fun. Super fun. <laughs> it's super fun. Yeah. Okay. Lady Ada, when they're shopping, mm. they get free stuff. That's right. $99 or more, you get a free Puma Proto half-size breadboard. Great for making your projects permanent. Have too many of them, give them to your friends. They'll appreciate them. Uh, $149 or more, you get a free STEM IQT board. We have a range of like 20 or so boards that we're giving away. If you make an account, we'll send you a different one each time. Isn't that, isn't that fun? It's super fun. It's super fun. Um, $199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. Uh, and $299 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, or all-in-one development board that has LEDs and sensors and buttons and microcontrollers and memory so you can run Arduino or CircuitPython or code.org CS, dis code CS discoveries or make code or more all on this happy fun, no solder required beginner board. I love it, and that's why we give it away. All right. Uh, we do a bunch of live shows. Uh, we just finished up the show and tell. It was a keyboardy one. Uh, lots of keyboard projects. Yes. And more. So check it out on all the platforms that we have our video. We also had an earlier show from Hackaday. So yeah. Like an I'm going to, oh, we're going to talk I'm about gonna, that one. Okay. Okay. And uh, we also were redoing some of the camera stuff so we can do more um, show and tell like stuff from here. On Sunday, we have Desk of Lady Ada. We had a shorter version this week, which was The Great, Great Search. Search. So what did you show uh, on the show? with the digikey.com search that you're really good at so folks can find what they're looking for. Okay, we actually had a request. So people, yeah. put in your request because I, I will get, maybe not the next week, but sometimes the week after. Um, somebody said, I want a replacement fan for my 3D printer and here's the specifications. Um, so I showed how to, and then like Digikey has like hundreds of thousand fans or something. Um, we're big fans, but they also stock big fans. Um, so we showed how to search for the different kinds of... The person who requested is in the chat. Oh, great. There you go. That's great. So <laughs> we, we showed how to search for and, and specify the fan. And we found, I think, a really good fan that they could try out and will probably do the job. And also a couple of alternatives all in stock because um, they're not affected by the silicon shortage. So um, that's awesome. But yeah, feel free, anybody, to send us more great search um, requests. I, I do try to get to them. And... Um, Y'all are looking for things that are different than me, so I learned. So, like, I learned about fans while putting this together because I was like, "Oh, yeah. what's what's an axial versus a blower?" I found out. Um, so, check out uh, that video if you're. I interested think this is good because folks who needed this, they might have not thought, "Oh, I'll go to DigiKey for the fan." Like, it might it wasn't like it's like, "Oh, where do you get this?" That's not the thing you normally yeah. associate with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We also have a live show every week. JP's product pick of the week, and this is the only show that I know of that broadcasts live from a product page. So let's show the latest clip from this week's product pick with JP. It is the Music Maker Featherwing. It plays back MP3s, WAV files, and it's a MIDI synthesizer. I have a Feather. I'm actually just using a Feather M0. And then I have my Music Maker Featherwing, and I have an SD card in it that has three MP3s on it that I placed onto there. And then you can see I'm just running one speaker, but you can do two, you can do stereo, you can do a little stereo separation. And this particular Music Maker Featherwing is really great when you want to do a compact project that is sort of self-contained and has its own sound source. So it's got the amp, it's got some speakers on it. Uh, great for props, great for cosplay. Here what I've got is my MIDI tester to send out classic UART over the I squared C Stemma QT cable to do that. Okay, I'm not much of a finger drummer. It is the Music Maker Featherwing with built-in amplifier.
All right, and then JP has John Park's workshop that's coming up tomorrow. And on JP's show, we do the CircuitPython Parsec, and we have a clip from the latest one now. The modulo operator is a really useful arithmetic function that you can use in your code in order to iterate through a list endlessly. So one great use of this is you want to press a button and each time you press it you go between let's say three colors of NeoPixels, which is what I'm going to do here. So modulo is essentially A divided by B and the remainder is C. So in this case I have this counter. Every time I press this button, the counter increments by one. So you can see that going 35, 36. So 36 divided by three, which is the size of this list I want to iterate to, goes in 12 times with a remainder of zero. So I'm gonna use that zero as the first index in a list. The next time I increment this, we have a remainder of one. So three goes into 37, 12 times remainder of one. One more time, three goes into 38, 12 times remainder of two. The next time we go through this, hey, we're now back at a remainder of zero. So you can do that the sort of complex way. You can do that the nice easy way, which is what you see at the bottom there, 42. And then that percent sign actually means modulo. So 42 modulo three equals zero. Modulo three for 43 is one, and modulo three of 44 is two. And this goes on endlessly. The list here that you can see I'm using is this set of three colors, blue, magenta, and orange. There's the list. And so those are the items, zero, one, and two are blue, magenta, orange. So every time this button gets pressed, we just increment A by one, that's the counter, and then we run that modulo operation on the list value, which is this right here. So C, which is the index, is the answer to A modulo B. And so that is a way that you can use the mod operator in order to increment through a list inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Next up, Deep Dive with Scott is on Fridays. Check it out. And if you haven't, um, check out the one that was from uh, last week, I think. And it was with uh, Jimmo from the MicroPython group. Yeah, and I was, I was talking about it during the show and tell. 7.0 is like a really big release for CircuitPython because we'll talk about more in CircuitPython, but we're, we're getting closer and closer to MicroPython. And um, it's, it means that we're starting to be able to share some bug fixes between the two versions because it's like easier to do uh, merges. So um, you're going to see more and more collaborations between us and MicroPython. Okay. All right. Next up, uh, time travel. Want to go back in time? Okay. Um, first up, yeah. we have a video from Phil B. A little bit of retro hardware. I love that retro hardware. Take it away, Phil. This is a Sinclair QL computer was introduced in 1984, less than two weeks before the original Macintosh. I have one in my collection because I think this is the best looking computer ever made. It's black, it's angular, it's got these stepped keycaps which I love. The machine didn't make a big dent in the universe. The performance was kind of disappointing, the keyboard is weird and spongy, and then there's the micro drives. Floppy drives were really expensive in the 80s. They'd set you back hundreds. And that's 1980s dollars. That's like a billion dollars today. It was thought that a new tape format would be almost as good as a floppy. I've got a broken one here. Let's see how it works. The tape inside is a continuous loop. It's pulled from the middle, rolled past a magnetic head, 
and then winds up around the same reel. Same principle as an 8-track audio tape, another dead format. It's weird, it was cheaper to engineer and tool a new format than to engineer cheaper floppy drives. And it was just no substitute. Still very handsome. All right, oh, a little bit more time traveling. Um, since that our audio is clipping earlier, so I think I fixed it. Sometimes we have an interesting audio challenge here in a factory because there's the compressors, there's things going on at all times, and so. And sometimes also, I'm loud, sometimes and then, I'm quiet. Yeah, and, and Lamore has uh, a pretty big range. I have a dynamic range of volume. <laughs> yeah, um, but anyways, just let us know in the comments and I'll always try to uh, uh, adjust it. Uh, today, uh, we were on the Hack Chat and I want to show one of the things that we gave away. There are no more of these. We'll never do it again. Um, this is a project that I had on my to-do list for 16 years. So we did a hack chat about Python on keyboards, and we made a very limited, and I mean really limited, run of Hackaday keycaps. And uh, I'll, I started the site, I designed the logo, but I have nothing to do with now, and it's not even mine. Um, this is property of uh, supply frame, Siemens, and, and Hackaday now. And uh, I did make these keycaps. Uh, I talked to uh, Dan, who was running the Hack Chat, and we gave away 10 of them, and that is it. Uh, so and if that's you why you in, should show up at Hack Chats, because you can get freebies. Yeah, we will have a bunch of other keycaps. They just won't be Hackaday ones. Uh, I'll ask them if, they're, you know, if they change their mind, if they want to have these uh, for, for wider distribution, but we'll see. Um, next up, Adabox. It is shipping to everyone right now, believe it or not, you can still go to adabox.com right now. We still have a couple slots. And you can get any, if you, if you go to adabox.com. Because we expanded this one, we, we put an yeah. extra hundred slots. Uh, if you go to adabox.com right now, you may be able to get one if it says we have any slots open. I will say though, it's going to close in the next few days. Like once we finish shipping them all, um, that's it, you can't, like we're, we're done, we, we, we shut down the computer, we don't, we, you know, stop printing invoices. So um, you can, Sign up now and you will get this box. Uh, however, in a week or so, that will not be true anymore. And then next week is the um, AdaBox um, unboxing with uh, live with JP. Um, and as people who have watched previous unboxings know, it's always a good time. There may be costumes and personalities and uh, cameos by uh, famous people or people pretending to be famous people. Um, so tune in next Wednesday for the unboxing. Uh, I'm pretty sure all of the, almost all the Ada boxes will be out by then. But if not, we're we're we're, we're getting through all of them. So um, thank you for your patience with everybody with the with the Ada boxes this year. Um, between uh, COVID delays, inability to ship, um, silicon shortages, <laughs> and more, it's been uh, exciting. But we aim to uh, get an Ada box out about every quarter. Every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday now, you can expect a Colin Labs note. Um, the latest ones, uh, we just got them out the door. Here is two for this week to check out. The Electret microphone, another component concealing its inner workings within a sturdy metal case. Let's see what makes it go. At the heart of it all, hiding under a metal plate, is a through-hole JFET transistor. It acts as a sensitive amplifier with its source pin connected to ground. A PCB trace connects ground to the housing, which then connects to a conductive layer attached to this disc of Electret film. The transistor's gate pin connects to a conductive plate below, separated from the Electret film by a small gap. Together, the plate and film form a simple capacitor. 
Moving air, aka sound, stretches the film slightly, bringing it closer to the plate, effectively increasing the value of the capacitor. The transistor responds by varying the current between its drain and source pins, which we can detect with a microcontroller. Digital tweezers are compact multimeters designed specifically for testing surface mount components. Seeing how most surface mount passives are unlabeled and have a tendency to scatter when just breathed upon, these can be ridiculously handy. Of course, they also work for testing through-hole parts, across header pins, checking continuity on buttons and switches, the multimeter basics. This model here is a bit fancy, with resistor, capacitor, inductance, voltage, frequency, and diode modes, along with a signal generator. Bonus. Even without the bells and whistles, I prefer using these over a regular meter because of the single-handed operation and no test leads to unravel. Aw, don't worry, multimeter. We still love you. All right, help wanted at jobs.adafruit.com. You can post your skills if you're looking for a job or if you're a company or you're an entity who's looking for help and you want it to be something that you think the Adafruit community can help out with, which is like firmware or electronics or art, uh, post up. We have a pretty good like it's free, one, one to one no spam. Yeah. People are really getting, like, people tell us, they're like, we actually filled this position. People are like, I got a job. Um, it's really targeted. If you like stuff at Adafruit, or either because your company buys stuff, or you like to make stuff, this yeah. could be a great time to have a career change. A lot of people are like mixing up what they're doing in their yeah. lives. Yeah, it's called the great resignation. There's a lot of folks looking for other jobs and more. Well, that sounds sad because it's like yeah. being resigned is sad. I think it's like more like the great... Next chaptering, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the great growth, yeah. you know? And, you know, just a little bit of a theme tonight. Here's what I've learned. Um, you should always emphasize what you do and always emphasize what you don't do because um, sometimes folks don't, they don't know you. And so I just want to reassure everyone. We don't spam. You'll never get spam from us. Uh, the job board's free. We re the two of us review every single one of them. We make sure none of them are sketchy. There's none of these like weird, uh, you pay money to apply stuff. So anyways, um, here's the three that we're in. Design, build, wearable necklace pendant that buzzes. This is a contract job. An embedded software engineer for space information laboratories. Ooh, and an electrical engineer PCB design for Umlaut in Detroit. It's full time or anywhere. So do check that out. Okay, it is Python on Hardware time. Blinka, blinka, blinka. And what I want to do is first uh, celebrate what has happened. And Lady Ada, maybe you could talk about this. 25,000 thanks. Um, what does it mean when something gets a star on GitHub? An angel gets its wings. An angel gets its wings? No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, when people use stars to, to give kudos and to bookmark, now, you know, there's projects with a lot of stars that are great, and there's ones that I'm not a huge fan of, and they don't have stars, or the other way around, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not the only value of um, a project, but we think it's really neat when we see um, people starting the repo because the popularity of people using CircuitPython seems to be related to the growth in, in how many stars. So um, it's, not, it's not how we judge ourselves because we don't use external validation to uh, 
judge our self-esteem, but um, it's nice. Thank you, everybody. I remember when we hit 1,000 stars, and it was live on the show because we were showing off the Pi Portal, and we were like, we were so yeah. close to 1,000. Uh, and when projects get forked, you don't get the stars from the fork. So it's like, you you know, you have to yeah. start from zero. We had, um, uh, that's right, uh, someone just said, uh, they remember when Scott, we hit 2,000 uh, on uh, a show a while ago. Okay, great. So here's a newsletter. This is another one. Let me reassure everyone again. So Adafruit Daily is not connected to adafruit.com. has nothing to do with your store account. Uh, put in one of those uh, email addresses so you can tell if your email was ever harvested. We don't do it. That's why we're confident uh, about saying uh, subscribe, unsubscribe. You'll never have to worry about a newsletter from us or an email if you don't want it. So uh, on the big board this week, uh, Lady Ada's Read Me podcast with GitHub it was really good. Yeah, they somehow out. invited me back, but I don't think they're going to invite me again. <laughs> yeah, it might be my fault. <laughs> That's okay. Um, no, this one's my fault. Okay. I'll take the blame um, for this one. August 6th is Circuit Python Day, so set your calendars for that. It's sneaky. Um, we'll have a bunch of folks at one. It's going to be Jeff, Dan, Catney. They're going to discuss Circuit Python. Um, at 3 p.m., Lady Ada's going to do a board tour. Uh, not. Not a boring tour, but a board tour. Board, and then board Scott's going to do a deep dive special edition, and then we have a lot of other stuff. Mm. If you have a um, CircuitPython project you want to show, Wednesday the 4th, come on by. And, and Blink accounts too. So if you're using you know, Raspberry Pi or other single board Linux computers and you're using our CircuitPython libraries, you're welcome. It's cool. Come on by. Yeah. Um, and if you have anything planned, let us know. Um, we know it's like still a little challenging with events around the world. Um, the first CircuitPython day we did, there was a lot of in-person ones. We know that's not going to happen, but that's okay. We can do virtual stuff, and we can also build some stuff together that we can show next year, because we'll be doing one every single year forever. Um, Adafruit.io Whippersnapper, we're looking for beta testers. Do check out the blog post. Uh, Brent and team are working really hard on that, Lauren and Justin. Um, everyone over there is doing a neat job. It's a very cool, uh, just to describe it in the shortest sentence I could think of is uh, CircuitPython for IoT. Like, just like, because it's like, if you like, if you like ease of use, like this is, you plug it in, it just shows up and it just works. I, I'm yeah. designing the IoT system that I want. <laughs> and so um, I think it's coming out really good. I think it's, it's, it's something that is cross-platform. It's easy to use. We're going to support Python. Right now, we're supporting Arduino C only, but we're going to eventually um, support Python as well. Um, and thinking about it as components that are plugged together rather than um, lower abstractions. Um, I think when people use it, they'll, they'll know what I mean. It's like we think of things as buttons or potentiometers or relays. And, and so I think it, it becomes more beginner-friendly because we're, we're not assuming that people are so good at electronics that they know how to abstract between different parts. Um, yeah. Anyways, you'll see more from Whippersnap.io. Yeah. I like to think of it's like, if you remember the first time you plugged in a microcontroller and it showed up as USB drive, like, wow, that Yeah, was, we're trying to take like that. Like, that was so easy. That ease of use of CircuitPython, yeah. and we're bringing it to IoT, because I think they're, they're really connected. Yeah, talk about the hat check. Um, this is neat. Uh, Anne's reaching out to the author, uh, April, for this. Um, this is Visual Studio Code for Python programmers, which a lot of people use Visual Studio. So do uh, keep an eye on the blog. Um, someone asked in the chat earlier, like, what do we think of GitHub Copilot? Speaking of like AI and machine stuff, I don't know. Um, I want to learn more about it. I want to use it. And I want to understand it. And I want to see what people are saying about it. Um, I, don't I think know it's yet. really interesting. I don't know yet. Right? I don't have like, it's good or it's bad. But I'm just like, 
that's an interesting idea um, that I didn't, I didn't foresee. Outside of Copilot, just another statement, I like AI that helps people, not the AI that everyone says, oh, Skynet, these robots are going to kill us one day, or this, like, I like AI that, like, here's a human doing something, here's how I can assist and help. I think that's a good way to approach AI, instead of, like, it's always person versus machine or person versus, yeah. you know, this, this thing. Um, you know, I tend to like AI art and AI generated things that there's there's not a harm model there there's yeah. con there's consequences of stuff so right. we should think about those so anyways um i don't know about copilot yet i i put my name to be on the beta i'm not on it yet yeah um check out the deep dive with scott and it's uh, exciting so and damien george it's, it's good we're, yeah. we're starting to do more projects together we're teaming up um us and micropython circuit python micropython we have a lot more in common more in common than ever um yeah. and i think it's gonna be good for both projects a bunch of keyboard projects Unending, really. And um, latest events and more. All the things that you can sign up for at Adafruit Daily, Python and Hardware. All right, Lady Ada, we're an open source hardware company. I know that because uh, it's really hard to do an open source hardware company, but we have 2,510 guides. That also proves it. Um, yeah. What's on the big board this week? Okay, why don't you make it bigger so I can see. Okay, so yeah. we had... I said um, big board too much tonight. I, said I like it. big I said, boards. I said it over, because it's like you look at this big board, and like I on like our screen big here, it's kind of board. <laughs> All right, so we've got the 3D printed stand for the MacroPad RP2040, that's from Noah and Pedro. Um, we've also got the main guide for the MacroPad RP2040, and uh, JP's Ableton Live uh, macro pad launch. I think that was last week. This week, uh, Katni wrote up a guide for the TCA 4307 hot swap I2C buffer. Um, really easy little breakout that's useful if you're doing I2C hot swapping. Uh, Carter published a guide where you take a macro pad, add an RTC breakout, and now you've got a uh, TOTP, a one time uh, timed one time pad. I don't know. Um, two factor authentication helper. This is really handy. I like how he made um, use the relegendable keycaps to make like all the icons for the different um, websites, and then you can um, press the button to uh, display the TOTP, and then when you press the rotary encoder, it types it in. Um, so you can just like navigate to the thing and then press it. So I, I would actually use this all the time because I hate pulling out a tablet or Authy or whatever. Um, we've also got some updates to the customizing USB device and circuit Python guide. We have added um, a tutorial on how to do N key rollover if you're using keyboards. And you're like, I want to mash down 15 keys. Um, then you can't do it with current six key rollover, but you can with this custom HID descriptor. So check out that guide. Uh, Jepler also updated the camera images in CircuitPython um, guide to uh, now show how to download JPEGs. So um, the 2640, for example, has built-in JPEG decoding. So you don't have to do anything special. You can just put it into JPEG mode, and then when you download, when you take a shot and you download it, um, it comes in as a JPEG. JFIF, like JPEG file format. And then finally, from Noon Pedro, we have um, a Braille and audio feedback keypad project. We'll have a video later to show that off. Okay. I'm going to do a little adjustment on the audio here, because, like, as one does. What? Am I okay. too quiet? No, as one I'm does as to... one does who, who does live shows. I know, but it's like, I think I'm too loud. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to like it on here. I don't All know right. what I'm going to do. Main York City factory footage. Take it away, Adafruit Factory.
And it wouldn't be main New York City factory footage uh, without a time lapse. The Disney building continues. Looks like this is the sub basement. Well, there was a crane. Yeah. All right. It's going. You can see the people, they're also painting the building, so yeah. there's people in front of the <clears throat> in front of the camera. All right, 3D printing, Noah and Pedro printing up a storm. This week we have two things. We have our macro pad. And then, and then uh, I was looking forward to this one because we just finished watching Loki. It's the Loki Gator. We're going to have the best Loki. Yeah. All right, take it away. Hey folks, this week we're making accessibility keycaps for mechanical keyboards. These keycaps are 3D printed with the Braille alphabet so folks can touch and feel their keyboard shortcuts. We thought it'd be nice to have audible feedback so a tone is played when a key is pressed. The Adafruit Macro Pad features the RP2040 chip and has a built-in speaker for generating tones and playing audio files. The keycaps are compatible with Cherry MX and Kalebox switches. You can print the keycaps in one piece or just the top cover for existing keycaps. The keycaps are installed by press fitting them over the stem of your favorite mechanical key switch. We think the resolution and print quality is good enough for making these style of keycaps. Braille is a writing system that features raised bumps called cells. To make these keycaps, we reference this peel and stick overlay that features function keys and special characters. The Adafruit MacroPad is great for making custom input devices for accessibility projects. This uses the CircuitPython MacroPad library to make customizable shortcuts with lights and sounds. The main loop checks for key events and handles if it's a key code or a consumer control such as volume and media playback. The shortcuts are stored in a separate file that contains a dictionary of keys. Here you can set the tone, label, key code type, and a key sequence. With CircuitPython, you have access to the code with the USB drive, which is great when developing across different computers. We hope you're inspired to check out the Adafruit MacroPad RP2040 and use CircuitPython in your next project.
And don't forget, every single Wednesday, you can tune in and learn how to make all these things and more on Knowing Pedro's show, which is on Wednesdays. All right. 3D Hangouts. All right, are you ready, Is lady? that time? Are you ready? Yes, yes, yes. You ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Yes. Hi, on MPI. This week's Ion MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit is TDK. TDK Invincense. Invincense was purchased by D D uh, TDK or they merged and so it's both but uh, we'll call it TDK because that's the, uh, the main company name. Um, so this week uh, we actually kind of covered this sensor's part of like the sense bug, a little like sensor bug from TDK like probably like a year or two, a year or so ago. Um, but this week we're going to focus on um, a sensor that just popped in on DigiKey New. It's the ICP. 10111, but there's also the 10101 and 00 and 10. We'll talk about that. This is a barometric pressure and temperature sensor from TDK. Um, so it's great as for use for temperature sensing and um, sense, uh, measuring weather changes. So you know you can tell when you're at a, a low pressure or high pressure system. But what it's mostly used for is as an altimeter. And this sensor would make for a great altimeter because it's got this really nice ultra high precision, uh, high accuracy mode of one uh, pascal, plus or minus one pascal for relative measurements um, when you do the oversampling mode. Um, one pascal is equivalent to about eight centimeters or so, which is great. I mean, comparing this to, you know, from, you know, five, ten years ago, um, the sensors were often only good for about a meter or so of altitude. Um, again, not absolute, but relative. So it can tell how high you're going up, um, but the absolute measurement might have um, different error rates. Uh, still, you know, you're, you're talking about a couple of microamps. Um, it can, you know, go into a, a quite a good deep sleep mode um, and get you, um, you know, high quality altitude measurements that you, uh, barometric pressure measure, barometric pressure measurements that you can then convert into altitude measurements. Um, another thing that I think is neat is um, this sensor actually comes in four packages, basically. Um, so this shows, uh, this is the ICP-000 and ICP-10001. Um, so this is the two millimeter by two millimeter. This is the smallest package. And you'll see the one on the right. See how there's like a hole at the top? And the one on the left, it doesn't have a hole. But that's weird, right? Because barometric pressure, you need to have some air in inlet. Um, if you look really closely at the image, you'll see three micro laser holes, like really small dots. These kind of remind me of the holes on like if you have um, a MacBook and there's like the built-in camera, and when the camera's on, there's like a glowing green light that comes um, next to the camera, and those are like micro laser holes. So these holes are so small that um, it can allow air in to do barometric pressure measurements and temperature, but it's waterproof down to like a couple meters. So, you know, yes, you could put a gasket on it and on the one on the left and use it exposed to water, but also just means it's more durable. Like you're not going to have the issue of, of possible water ingress or, um, you know, maybe uh, water, uh, you know, if, if you're moving from a high humidity to a low humidity area um, or the other way around, you get, uh, you know, dew forming on the sensor and, and possibly moving into it. Um, I like that there's two options. I think the one on the right probably will have a bit better accuracy because it's less likely to get dust stuck in it. But the one on the left, um, yeah, it's, it's IPX8 rated, which is, which is really good for a sensor that does barometric pressure sensing, but it doesn't seem to have a gel. Um, so, you know, what would you use this for? Um, you know, the 
TDK is really promoting this for um, mixed use with a GPS sensor. You use a GPS sensor to give you your altitude, sorry, your latitude and longitude. And then GPS does do altitude as well. But remember, GPS is only good to like plus or minus, you know, five to 10 meters. Um, you're not going to be able to get, uh, you know, very precise step-by-step -step altitude measurements. And of course, indoors, it's going to be even harder to get a good GPS fix. You may not be able to get a 3D fix, maybe get a 2D fix, um, in which case you could use a barometric pressure sensor, which of course works all the time indoors, wherever, underwater, um, and uses a lot less power than GPS as well. Um, so here's a, another interesting thing about this, which I kind of like, because you know we, we carry a bunch of uh, barometric pressure sensors, of course, the most popular, the BMP series. We also have the DPS uh, series. And I like that people are sort of settling on a packaging pinout. So this package is the 2 millimeter by 2.5 millimeter. And if you're like, hey, that looks familiar. Yes, it is DPS 310 and BMP 280 pin compatible for I squared C usage. It's not compatible for SPI. It doesn't support SPI. But if you're using I squared C, which a lot of people are, this is physically and pin compatible. Um, so if you're one of the people like me who you cannot get some of these sensors, like there's, they're out of stock because of the silicon shortage, you might be able to swap in this sensor. It's in stock right now at DigiKey. Um, and with a little bit of code change, adapt uh -huh. your design to use the ICP100XX series. So um, in stock for now. Quick, go. <laughs> it's in stock. No, but they have a couple thousand in stock. Right. Um, and then this is the two by two millimeter one. This is, I, I didn't solder this, so I'm not 100% sure, so you know, double check me, but I believe it's, it's pin and physical compatibility with the BMP3 series. Again, I squared C only, but I really like it when there's, you know, there's some sensors I like, but you don't want to not be able to ship your product because of, or you don't need to respin your board design because one part's out of stock. That, that, you know, that happens, but now it's like it's happening constantly. Um, so this was, I think, really good timing for this sensor to be released. Another cool thing, the data sheet has example code in C and in Python, which is like so cool. Not, you know, yes, it's nice to have a driver. What's even better, if the driver is so short, you can fit it into the data sheet in two or three pages. And this is the C code. So I, I cut it off. It's much longer, but it's in the data sheet. So um, I thought that was quite cute. And here you can see, at least at the time of this writing, um, thousands in stock of each version. The two by 2.5 versions at the top and the two by two versions at the bottom. Again, one is IPX8, one is not. You know, pick and choose whichever you need. Um, but the one that you're most likely to use, the ICP1011, in stock right now, um, I'm even working on a library for it, but the code is quite simple compared to most, you know, most barometric pressure sensors. They give you, again, the example code in Python and C, and you can really hit the ground running. So this is a, a, also, it's a very high precision sensor. If you have a design with other barometric pressure sensors, maybe you could upgrade it, get that one Pascal uh, accuracy for differential measurements. Available on DigiKey, this is the code. Um, if you want to just type in numbers, 4281145, 2ND, and there's lots of different ones, comes on reels and all that. And then there's a short URL there. And we have a, a, a short video. Do you want to show yeah, I'll just the show device, this. or do you want to do the video first? Let's just show the device real fast. We go to the video, and then we'll be out. OK, so this shows you. See, this is the version. You can see this has a little hole in it. And this one, again, you can't see the hole because they're so freaking small. They're like, hold on, don't run away from me. 
Yeah, I mean, you can Those barely see. There, there are micro holes in it, but so small, and that's what lets it be um, waterproof to, you yeah. know, IPX8. And then I soldered this onto uh, my BMP 280 breakout, and it worked fine. So, um, yeah, this is a nice little sensor. I like 1 Pascal. I like I squared C. I like the simplicity, and I like that it's in stock. All right, and we're going to play this uh, short video from TDK. Pressure sensors are used in wearables, smartphones, drones, and many other devices to track changes in elevation for activity monitoring, indoor or 3D navigation, and other motion or position-based services. TDK's InventSense barometric pressure sensors use a capacitive MEMS architecture that directly converts deflection of the sensor diaphragm to an electrical signal and offers better accuracy and lower power consumption than piezo-resistive pressure sensors, providing users with more reliable data and extended battery life. The InventSense ICP10101 and ICP10111 pressure sensors have a plus or minus one pascal relative accuracy and come in two by two millimeter small LGA packages. This high relative accuracy enables the measurement of altitude differentials as low as eight centimeters, allowing the detection of individual stair steps and small vertical device movements. Available on DigiGate. That's right. right. It was in stock as of today, so you need a yeah. sensor, Go get them. That's on MPI. Hi, on MPI. All right, we're going to do new products now. Um, before, don't forget, super fun. Super fun, 10% uh, off anything in stock at the Adafruit shop. It's super fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Fun, 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 All right, um, we had a lot of new products, so uh, these, there's permutations okay. of these, so right. you can talk about that. I'll just talk about these in general because it's going to be, they're basically there's all the same. Uh, so we have these silicone molds for making your own keycaps. Um, I really like the look of um, acrylic cast keycaps. Basically you get uh, UV resin, I recommend. You can get two-part resin, but I don't recommend it. Um, UV resin I found works much, much better. You just need a UV lamp to cure it. And then you can um, mix like glitter or color, or you can paint them, or you can sculpt them. Um, so these molds are there to help you with that process, and they come in a variety of different sizes. So each one of them has four, at least, I mean, at least these two, they have four um, 1U keycaps. Those are kind of the standard keycaps. And then there's an extra key for like all the different, like not exact 1U, so there's one point. 25U and 1.5U and 1.75 and 2. So like the Alt and Escape and Caps Lock, whatever. There's there's a variety of them. Um, yeah, I kind of wish they would have had like a mold that has one of each, but that's just not how it worked. And Spacebar and, and these really long keys is also separate. Um, but between these, you know, you can find all the key caps you want. Maybe you only want to make some 1U keys. Um, we're going to have a guide and uh, video on how to use these. We're going to have um, some, some good tutorials on that. Yeah. Uh, however, for now, I've, I've linked in the product page to a great YouTube tutorial. Um, but basically, my tips are, yes, these are reusable. Um, you really do want to use UV curing um, resin, even though it's a little bit more expensive. Don't put too much stuff in the resin or it won't cure. Like, you want to make sure that's clear enough for the UV light to shine all the way through because the UV light itself is what cures it. Um, and it's actually kind of fun. You just like design your own keycaps um, and they will snap onto any MX uh, compatible switches. Oh, and then you also, the only other tip I have is um, when you put the top, the, 
the part that fits on top that has the stem. Um, just make sure it's nicely centered because there's nothing keeping it centered, so you have to kind of visually center it. Um, but, you know, if you cure it two minutes later, you pop it out, and then you can just keep reusing and remaking uh, the molds as many times as you like. Yeah. Um, one fun thing you can do if you have, like, extra little electronic components, those look really good inside Yeah, of I made one clear... where I put, like, I put, like, broken chips and Yeah, we stuff. put an RP2040 in it. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, this is a fun uh, continuation of things you can do with your macro pad. Yes. Because that's what we have for. Of course. All right, next up. All right, by request, we've had the two-pin version of these quick wire joints. This is the three-pin version. I'll show this on the overhead real fast because it's, it's mostly a visual explanation. Um, inside, whoa, so close. Yeah. Too close, too close. E inside, um, each one of these is a, hold on, um, a little spring. And when you press down, it opens the spring, and you see you can then fit a wire inside of it. And so these are, you know, we have like uh, clampy style or um, crimp style connectors, but these are great if you're like you're just a maker or you know you just you're just doing a project and you want to quickly connect some wires together and you don't mind that this is a little bit chunky. You can bolt it down. Um, but here's the thing: it's just really easy to use and it's very friendly. Um, but of course, it's not waterproof or weatherproof. It's good for just like crafting together some projects. Um, you can use it with stranded or solid coil core wire. We have the two-pin version, and then people are like, we want the three-pin version. We now have the three-pin version. Next up. All right, next up, some diodes. Uh, people making keyboards and macro pads and stuff. Um, a lot of projects have diodes in them because they're diode matrixed, and so people were like, hey, you have, have through-hole diodes. Can you stock SMT diodes? So here you go. It is 100 SOD 123, 1N4148 signal diodes. Um, if you're putting together a PCB with um, some of our keyboard stuff, oftentimes the only things you need are the keyboard, you know, uh, PCB, which you get made, the switches and or sockets, which we stock, and now diodes. Next up. Next up, we've got chalk switch sockets. So um, these go with the slim chalk switches, which I'm going to show in a moment. These are SMT sockets that you would solder onto your PCB and then it allows you to uh, snap in and you know remove and replace without soldering uh, kale chalk chocolate style switches. So these look a lot like the MX sockets, which I'll maybe I'll show real fast what those look like because these are and these are not the chalk ones; these are the um, MX ones. But they look very similar. So you see here, this is like surface mount soldered on. And then on the opposite side, you have a switch, and then you can mechanically connect and disconnect it, and it's nice and solid when it's plugged in, but you can also remove it and replace it. So good for people who, like, they don't know if they want linear or clicky or, like, super clicky um, switches. Um, however, the chalk switches, which look like this, have different pinouts than the MX switches, and so you'll need these sockets for chocolate, and they're not cross-compatible with MX. Totally different pinouts. Okay, next up. Okay, speaking of chalk switches, uh, here are some chalk switches. So we've got two, we've got uh, linear red, and we've got clicky white, um, and they're very similar. These are an alternative to Cherry MX compatible switches. I will say that they're harder to use because they are not compatible in almost any way. You can't use the same PCB layout. They have the pins are slightly different. You cannot use the same sockets because the pinouts slightly different. Mm -hmm. You cannot Can use the same keycaps because they're slightly different. 
So yeah, let me go to the overhead and I'll compare. Okay, so this is a Cherry MX compatible switch is what they look like. They're kind of uh, um, boxy, right? And you've got the stem and the stem has this cross shape to it in the center and you put the um, key cap on top. Key caps look like this. They have the cross, it fits on. And um, there's the centering peg that um, you know orients it and then there's the two pins. Compared to uh, the chalk switch, tilt, you can see the pins are in different locations. The, the overall width and height are the same, but the pins are in different locations, so you cannot use the sockets or the same PCB layout. Um, they are much, much slimmer, which is why people like these. You can see they're like a half the height of, maybe even less, a third of the height of MXs, um, because the switch goes to the side. It doesn't go up and down. And then you can see the... Um, the uh, key switch top is also different. It has sort of this like uh, plug, you know, two, two pin plug rather than a uh, square plus shape. So you cannot use the same keycaps either. That said, you want a slim switch. This is the only thing you can use because these are, these MXs, these are the standard size. So you'd have to go with these um, chuck switches to do that. And uh, this is the clicky one, and this is the linear one. So you have one of each, linear and clicky. Uh, they're more expensive, they're harder to use, but you know, they're get slim, they're nice, right? You want something low profile, this is what you're gonna get. All right, next up, I think we're up to... Uh, you got the switches, we did those. Now. We got yeah. these, we did so we these. just did those chalk these, switches. These, you got these. Okay, these. now we're back in MX line. A lot of key switches came in today, you can tell, from, from Kale. Um, so these are the Jade uh, Thick Clicks. This is, I think, a, no a Novel Keys and Kale collaboration. We purchased these from Kale. Um, so there's Jade and there's Navy. Yeah. Um, and both of these are, they're Cherry MX compatible. One. Yeah. And they're both, like, really clicky. So if you're like, I want so clicky that it's, like, people are annoyed. It's yeah. really, really clicky. So I'll show them. So these are by request. These are a little bit too clicky for me. I don't know if I would put them on a keyboard. Really? Maybe I'd put them on a macro pad. Oh yeah, like they're, like here, feel these, feel these. Just, just press them, just press them. What do you think? Really clicky, right? Yeah, this is, this is in the fidget category. Like, you know, those little fidget things where yeah. you're like, you just do that because you're like nervous. Okay. Um, so clicky. Uh, so these are um, the kale and sorry, the kale navy and jade box thick clicks. Sometimes they're called or just super clickies. Okay, okay, let's keep moving. Next up, we are now up to some electronics. Okay, we've got for Spresence. Uh, um, if you are using the Sony Spresence and you want to add Wi-Fi, here's a Wi-Fi add-on. Um, we're carrying this because there's a lot of people who are about to take a class with the Spresence for machine learning and the Wi-Fi module is part of them. Um, it's by IDY, it's, a, it's an approved accessory for Sony, um, and it adds uh, Wi-Fi capability to your Sony's presence. Okay. We also have uh, this little sensor module, which adds a variety of sensors. You can see uh, barometric pressure and temperature, I think humidity. Um, you've got uh, motion, accelerometer, magnetometer, all that good stuff. Uh, probably all over I2C. Uh, plug it into your Sony's presence, and again, you can use uh, the machine learning code in this uh, tutorial class. Um, or the Arduino code that's provided to um, get sensor data into your Sony's presence board. All right. What else? Uh, 
Um, okay, next up we've got um, super high density um, LED matrix. So this is like a, just so adorable. Did you get the demo? Yes. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. So um, it's a 32 by 64 matrix, but it's just so small. Hold on, I gotta get my plug. You know, while you're doing this, someone was suggesting we do 12 packs because the macro pad has 12 packs. I know. But it, do, we have the hot dog bun problem, right? Yeah, let someone me tell you. Someone said you just have to buy nine ma macro pads. Yeah, basically <laughs> the problem is, is that there's never a number because there'll be other yeah. devices. Oh, wow, that screen, that thing's really nice. That is really nice. It's Sorry. very, it's very <laughs> Sorry, everybody, I'm distracted now. because this yeah, is we're doing You should see this in person. Um, so this is... Uh, ultra high density, so it's 2.5 millimeter pitch, so it's it's like the kind of size of like a large candy bar. That even looks good. You know, sometimes it's really hard to have like live video coming out of these things, especially with like overheads and yeah. all this. This looks even good on that. Yeah, and um, this, uh, yeah, I'm just using it, I'm driving it with a feather and our, our feather wing that plugs into the back, so this is our, I even have a little note to tell me it's the 32 by 64 demo. Um, so this is like the smallest 32 by 64 matrix um, I could find. There's only one little thing to watch out for. The green and blue LEDs are swapped. So when you define the pins for this, just any pin that's green and blue, just swap them. Like it, nothing really changes in the, the code. Like the code library itself doesn't change, but what pin you select will be different. I, I don't know why it is because every one, every other one of our matrices doesn't have green and blue swap, but it could be just because of um, the difficulty of routing such a, tightly packed board because these are two millimeter LEDs packed like basically one next to each other with no space in between. It could be that they couldn't route it without having green and blue swaps. So just be aware, you, you turn it on, you're like, it's not working. Mm -hmm. Whatever your pin definitions are, just swap the green and blue pins and you're good to go. Okay, uh, next up, really good news. These are now in stock. Um, yes. Y'all wanted some Adafruit keycaps. This is one of the only times where we put our logo on something. It is rare for us to do it. Not going to be a lot of stuff. We don't do like shot glasses or you know, even shirts really. Um, but this we thought um, is kind of special and unique. And um, it looks cool. I mean, from logo is great for a keycap because it's like got that monochromatic nice. look. And so these uh, are in stock. We've already announced them, but yeah, now they're just they're in stock now. Then um, the star of the show. This is the um, open source hardware logo, the community design logo. And it's now a keycap. Yay! Um, we posted up the files we made with, uh, for this to try to keep it as you know open source hardware. Uh, quick review of where this logo came from so folks know, and you can look at my article about it. A million years ago, I designed a logo, flash enabled, and it later turned into the OSI lo logo, and that was later used as a reference for the community-driven one. I have a chart, I have all these things. Collect them all. But now you can have the keycap. Um, you see this on boards and things, but now you can, you can have an open source hardware keyboard and an open source hardware key. And um, you're probably wondering, well, isn't there like an open source hardware association that have a different logo, but isn't there one? And like, wouldn't it be great if you donated money to them? We do. Not only do we support the summit, but the organization, but we're gonna take some of the sales from this and use that to donate to Oshawa. So that is new parts for this week. Wait, we have to show the overhead. Oh, you want to show the overhead? Okay. Yeah, um, wait, wait, you, had to, you had to do your rant. So like, it wasn't a rant. Well, sorry, your presentation. Yeah. Okay, so um, this is the Adafruit key. Uh, this is the open uh, source hardware logo. 
And then this is the uh, special edition, not going to be sold uh, Hackaday's. You know, we made one just for us. Um, and you can just see it glows through. So this is great if you have an RGB keyboard with, a, you know, back LED or even just a single LED. Um, you know, it'll glow and it glows nicely even if, even though the LEDs, of course, uh, on these keys are um, on the north side only, uh, it'll kind of bleed through and it'll kind of make a nice gradient effect. So it looks, it looks quite good even in person. Um, and then when off, you can still see it. It's just uh, white instead of colorful. Okay, uh, that is new products. All right, now we're done with new products. Right on time. Yeah. Okay, um, we're gonna answer your questions. I have a lot loaded up. Um, so anyone who asked a question, don't worry, I got it. Adafruit.it slash Discord, hang out there now. Um, join all 30,000 of us. But we're gonna do a mini top secret. This one's gonna be a little different than any other top secret we've ever done before. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because we're debuting maybe a segment coming up soon. Because I've been thinking about mistakes lately. Mm-mm. And... <laughs> a mistake. No, I just like mistakes in general. It's like, what's, what's the feedback that um, people who do electronics or... Because um, I think about like Desk of Lady Ada or Scott's Deep Dive. What are, yeah. what are the things that people say and we're like, oh yeah, that's a good point. They say, wow, I really like it when you show mistakes. Yeah. And there's something that's happened recently where no one can make a mistake. You have to be perfect. I don't know anyone perfect. If I did, I'd build like a church and go see, you know, I'd like worship it. Like, I don't know anyone in my, that, I, people can do perfect things, but it, we're all flawed. Yeah. Everything I like is kind of flawed um, and kind of broken. Um, and I think that's, that's human. And so what we're thinking of, um, and we're just working out the naming because like, you know, it's hard. There's like root, and root cause analysis, there's lessons learned, and then we're like, well, maybe we could say mistakes were made. I think it's a funny phrase. And, and this is... But we might change it. We, we might change know. it. We don't know. We're thinking like maybe lessons maybe learned. Maybe this name is a mistake. I don't know. Mistakes were made, lessons were learned. And the idea is we would talk about on our show a mistake that was made and then how we fixed it. And then, how, you know, lessons that were learned. Yeah. Could be a component we used. It could be something we ordered. It could be, oh, we uh, decided to take back orders for something and then, like, the world ran out of chips. You know, yeah. who knows? But we're thinking that could be it. And then there's some really famous ones in computer science and technology where engineers, you told me when you were at MIT, people look at certain stories through engineering history that they're like, make sure we don't do that again. Yeah. And there's just, like, computer science stuff that it all makes sense when you know about it. Yeah. If you know what about it. So we thought it might be neat to normalize making mistakes and people learning from them because I think right now the stakes are really high. You have to be perfect all the time and you're never going to be perfect. So what if we had a currency of showing our work even when there's a mistake and then sharing it with people and making them feel good about doing this because if people can't make mistakes, they're never going to make anything. Engineering is all about mistakes. Yeah. Okay. That's, That's what our makes topic engineering. for the week. Okay. All right, let's get through these questions. Okay. Questions, and I'll, uh, yeah, <laughs> we don't make mistakes, we just have happy accidents. That's a Maybe we'll Bob call Ross it. thing. Uh, some of these are not happy accidents, though. Okay, so I'm gonna start rolling through these. Um, ready? Yep. Okay, uh, and I can answer some of these too. Uh, would one or both of you be available or willing to be on a random po po podcast from a no-name no person? I kind of prefer that, at least when people email Lamore, we're always trying to go to new audiences or, um, you know, like 
not mainstream stuff. Like Lamore's not going to be on like this week in tech. Like I just like we're just. I I don't do a lot of. I I say no to most yeah. media, by the way. So if, oh. even if I if you have asked us and I say no, it's it's just I have to yeah. protect my time because it's it it's a very it takes a lot of energy for me to do podcasts. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Like in the past, Lamore's spoke at like a tech crunch event we're more likely to speak at a costuming thing yeah because that's kind of where we're at it's like well how do we help people that don't know about electronics and tech yet um next up uh, is there a scenario in which micropython and circuitpython might merge to be an all-encompassing thing or will they always have different enough scopes to stay uh, separate forever there there's probably i don't see them merging the board support because we kind of took different directions in that um, but I think a lot the core core library the core sorry the core language um, is is fairly merged at this point. Um, they're very similar. So you know we don't support some of the chips they do, and they don't support some of the chips we do. But you know the code is almost completely the same between the two of them. Okay, um, which is more exciting: CircuitPython hitting twenty five hundred uh, stars, or Discord hitting thirty thousand users? They're both great. I will say that they're both different, but I like the direction of both of them. Yes. They're, they're both different, they mean different things. Um, it means that we're making something that people like and, and they share and they're telling their friends about it. Uh, and that's the, the similar things because Discord's like, oh, there's this cool Discord server where we can talk about electronics. And then for CircuitPython, it's like, oh, this is a neat thing and this is how I'm signaling to the people who follow me and they can see what I'm starring. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Um, do you, Lady Ada, think that CircuitPython will turn into a popular keyboard firmware option? I mean, it is. People are definitely using CircuitPython with the RP2040. I mean, almost every project I see that's keyboard-related for the RP2040 um, is using CircuitPython, so that's great. Uh, I think you could, you know, Scott, the lead developer of CircuitPython, has a keyboard that runs Circuit, you know, it, it, he's a keyboard that runs CircuitPython natively, so I think it would be uh, a totally, you know, if it's free, people use it, and it's free, so people are using it. Oh, you're on the Embedded podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eric, uh, Lamar was on the Embedded podcast, so she's yeah, on yeah. that one. Yeah, That's another example, or it's like, that was one that was like... I'm it, almost positive. Yeah, you were on it. Yeah. I think we posted about it. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, uh, no, I, I remember doing the post for it. We did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, what streaming setup are you using? I answered that in there. Um, I'm still using Wirecast. Um, nothing's perfect for streaming. It's just like... What what can what can we use that's um, compatible with how much time we have for the shows? Um, I would like to use like a more involved setup or a simpler setup, but this is kind of in the middle um, to to publish yeah. to do this the way we do it with also having like full time jobs here. Um, why doesn't uh, Adafruit have any regular PL PLA in the shop anymore? Because we don't really sell three D printers, and there's a lot of stores that are really focused on. 3D printing and support, and I, it just wasn't something, like we stocked it, it was never really popular, um, no matter how many colors we, we, we carried, so I just decided, hey, you know, we're going to focus on what we're really good at, which is electronics, and not carrying 3D printers and um, right. filament. All right, next up. With almost no 3D printing company in the United States and almost all open source hardware 3D printers dead, has Adafruit ever considered making a 3D printer kit to be sold in the shop, for example, an aluminum extrusion design with all sorts of custom Adafruit mainboards? Additionally, why did Adafruit stop selling 3D printers in the shop? That's pretty much the same as the last same question. Answer. It's it's just the, the market, you know, it, it changed, it moved, as you've noticed. Um, 
you know, we carried like the first 3D printer. We carried like 10 or 12 different 3D printers. Yeah. And, and we did the best we could, but it just wasn't, the, the margins weren't there. Um, it was really hard to sell it through reseller because we weren't making our own 3D printer. And I, I personally have no you know, interest in getting into this market, me, which I think is, is quite well served yeah. at this point. I don't think um, I would add anything. I think that Prusa is doing an excellent job with uh, the community of folks who want to have 3D printers. Yeah. And um, I'd rather have folks uh, have electronics that they can put in something that they've 3D printed, kind of like what we show with Noah and Pedro. Yeah. Um, it's just like it, it actually evolved. It, it's, it's successful because now it's not as interesting. It's just a tool in your uh, maker toolkit of yeah. things. It's not the center of your life. It's a tool. Okay. Um, if uh, I order uh, and have it shipped to the EU from the U.S., do I pay import fees? Yeah. Yep. No you always will, it. and you're going to pay that too. Okay. Uh, are there molds with home row uh, bumps? Uh, for the keyboard molds, no, but you could make it, you know, a mold, uh, a home row bump pretty easily by just scratching the silicone um, with just a sharp tool and making a bump or, or a, a slot. Okay. Question. Uh, yeah, sorry, Mr. One, DA Awesome P. Uh, what do you recommend for pogo probes? I got some of the pogo clips to try to use with SWD pins on the M0 Feather and Trinky, but the clips won't work on the double-sided boards. They slide, don't clamp, roll. You really need to, to have other. a jig for it. I mean, like, pogo pins don't work without a jig. Um, if, you know, if you're programming a lot of things, then you'll need to make some sort of acrylic or laser cut thing. I mean, a lot of our boards have holes on them that you could use to orient it. Um, so you can make a PCB and then and make a tester jig out of it. But yeah, I mean, like that's the trade-off with, with test points is that they're, they're hard to use in, unless you're the manufacturer. All right, and I'm gonna go through, there's some nice kudos uh, tonight here. Um, and then uh, we'll wrap up with the last question after yeah. this. Uh, folks like the projection values on our shows. Oh. Thank you. Um, we also have one. Um, love how you do nice streams and videos. They're awesome for us costumers to learn um, with your knowledge. Yeah. Oh. So there's a lot of so there's a lot of stuff we do that's not just for the engineering community. A lot of it is you may have never done electronics, but you want to put those LEDs in that costume, and maybe you don't have to spend five years learning computer science. You can use something like CircuitPython to get started really fast, and then learn more on your own terms later. Yep. Um, and then I think that is it. Oh, uh, are there people are allowed to use the term QT for their own projects and projects? As long as you fulfill yep. the obligations of the definition, I would just say STEMIQT compatible just for, yeah. for your own One and down, you can go to adafruit.com slash trademarks or you can email me, pt Guess what? We always figure out a way to make stuff work together. Uh, with people if you want to use it in some type of official way. But or, you can also just say compatible. Or you can just say compatible. And you're done. Um, but you we'll make something work. work. All right, let's... And uh, that is it. Let's wrap it. Okay, everybody. That I is our you, show for tonight. Um, the code is super fun. We'll be um, doing this code probably till like 10 or 11. Um, we uh, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for uh, being part of this journey with us. Uh, there's always fun and interesting things going on. Um, mistakes were made, lessons were learned. That's Thanks, the, everybody. That's the theme. Uh, thank you, all of our customers, our community. Thank you, whoever's on. The team, I think CSP. it's Jesse May behind Thanks, the Jessie scenes. May. Let's see, I believe it is. Yeah, we'll Jesse May. Um, thank you, uh, customers, community, 
all the folks in the chat, all of the um, uh, moderators who recently uh, helped out with a lot of stuff, and of course, uh, everyone on the Adafruit team who keeps this thing going. Today, a little bit of a flood. We had to like uh, move some stuff around, so that's why things were a little chaotic today, but it was okay. Everything's dry now. Uh, and we'll see well, everybody next week. Here is your moment of Zener. Bye, everybody. Uh, this is an Adafruit production. Don't forget, next week <laughs> is Adabox unboxing. Adabox and more. Bye-bye.